All right, all right, all right. Welcome back to another episode of Fantasy Football with Gumbo. Y'all know the drill. This is Ja. Hey, it's Dugo over here. What's going on, folks? All right, so y'all know where we at right now. We're about a week into the training camps. Uh, we have been getting updates every day on the hour, by the hour, of all of our favorite fantasy football players doing X, Y, and Z in training camps. And uh, along with training camps come injuries, and we've had a couple now. Uh, so this week we're going to be focusing on the NFC West. We'll be talking about the Seattle Seahawks, the San Francisco 49ers, and the Arizona Cardinals. So to start things off, we want to go ahead and kick off with those injuries. We heard about big injuries today uh, happening to Mr. Kenneth Walker running back for the Seahawks. And it uh, looks like there's also another injury as well to Zach Charbonnet. But Dugo, are you taking either of these injuries, you know, with any seriousness or is it, you know, only July and we have so much time to go before the regular season that, you know, you're not really that worried. So I'd say I'm probably a little bit more worried about the Zach Charbonnet one just because he said it was a shoulder. I'm assuming, I don't know if y'all know this, but there's not really a lot of really good injuries that happen in the shoulder. So I'm assuming it's either something like with his AC joint. Otherwise, I'm assuming some sort of collarbone. They probably won't disclose it for a while, though. Uh, mm. So with that, when you look at into those numbers, you know, collarbones can take a while. I mean, they can take what? I don't, I'm not a doctor, but I'm assuming probably close to like 10 weeks total to fully recover. So, and that's probably with his surgery. So who knows what a surgery pushes him back with. All in all, I'm probably a little bit more concerned with Charbonnet than, than Kenneth Walker as of right now until we get more details about that hip or that groin injury that Kenneth Walker is dealing with. But you know what? Like you just said, though, like they do have a new or another young stud in Kenny McIntosh that's there right now. So obviously... When we were looking at this, like, I honestly thought that, like, you know, like, Kenny McIntosh was damn near, like, the poor man Zach Charbonnet. Like, he can do a little bit out of the backfield. Or, you know, I guess I can say that Kenny McIntosh is probably a little bit more polished out of the backfield as far as receiving. But as far as, you know, body types going through or in between the tackles, Zach Charbonnet is probably a little bit more efficient. But, you know, Kenny McIntosh, I mean, he didn't go to Georgia for no reason. He was obviously a good athlete, so he did that. He has a good body, so he's still able to, you know, go through the tackles, like I said. All in all, I think that they aren't really going to be missing out a bunch right now, um, especially, like, with DJ Dallas still there. He's still kind of a vet in that room. So, all in all, you know, I, I don't know if they're really going to miss a beat with Charbonnet not contributing right away. See, and that's where it kind of gets interesting because with Kenneth Walker, they don't know, you know, how long he's expected to be out. Uh, with that groin injury and Zach Charbonnet obviously has that shoulder injury which uh, you know those things can tend to kind of linger they can be annoying so it sounds like Kenny McIntosh is going to be someone that you're going to have to pay attention to he could potentially turn into a preseason star we both kind of you know talked up Kenny McIntosh a little bit highlights on Kenny McIntosh is that he's a six foot 210 pound running back coming out of Georgia uh, one of the best rushing attacks in uh, college football last season and, you know, he's a receiving weapon. He's a guy who can catch balls out of the backfield. And he's big enough to go ahead and handle some goal line work as well. So with that all being said, I mean, Kenneth Walker, I obviously expect him to play this season. I expect him to probably become available sometime in September. But with his groin injury seeming to be a little bit more serious um, than Zach Charbonnet's, I think there's a world in which Zach Charbonnet could get a lot more reps. They could ease Kenneth Walker into uh, the year into this offense and you add another guy like JSN into the offense and you don't have to rely on that run game as much. 
Uh, right now, when it comes to Kenneth Walker's ADP uh, in redraft leagues, he is being drafted as a 37th player off the board. Wait, so get let me get this straight. So you're more concerned about Kenneth Walker's groin injury that's going to probably heal in three weeks and he'll be ready to start the season than Zach Charbonnet, who has, like I said, probably like a broken collarbone. Probably will need some surgery to get that replaced. But you know he, he's going to be back in two days. Like I don't understand how he's going to be getting more touches. When they say he's going to be out indefinitely, and obviously you know Kenneth Walker is out too, I am probably banking on Kenny McIntosh more than I'm banking on either Charbonnet um, or Kenneth Walker right now. But Really? Oh, yeah, 100%. 100%. I think Kenny McIntosh is one of the most underrated running backs to come into the league. I think he's an underrated uh, rookie running back. But when it comes to Charbonnet versus Walker, I don't know. I don't know. The Charbonnet injury, there just hasn't been any information. They just said he's out indefinitely, but they didn't necessarily come out and say that his collarbone's broken or that he tore an AC joint. They just said he has a shoulder injury. But you're just making the assumption that Kenny Walker just absolutely tore the fuck out of his groin and he's not going to be playing. So why are we making weird assumptions here? What do you mean? I just feel like at one point, like you're trying to push us uh the groin injury what like five six seven eight nine weeks into the season damn near or even from here which we still have five weeks until the start of the season but you know by golly if zach charbonnet's shoulder isn't broken then you know then great he's probably gonna start the season but i just feel like if we're making one assumption about one person we should probably be making the same about the other yeah, I mean, I guess there's just nothing that's been disclosed about Charbonnet's injury out besides the fact that he's not going to play for a while. There's literally nothing that's been said about it. Sure, I guess off of my past experiences, so I'm, I'm when not- you look at groin injuries, they're like three weeks, right? When you have a player who has a groin injury in the NFL, you expect them to miss, what, one, two weeks, if that? Like, dog, like, I'm just saying, like, why do you think that the preseason is going to make it any worse? Like, do you think he's going to not have the five weeks to get ready for the season? So with shoulder sprains, uh, I'm looking online and it says severe strains or sprains may feel better within about four to six weeks. But kind of like you mentioned, they typically need a couple months of rehabilitation before resuming full activity. Right. So with that being said, I don't know what the injury is now. Assuming that it is something that severe, then, yes, I would probably change my outlook. But I've gotten more details about Kenneth Walker's injury. Pete Carroll has come out and said that, hey, he's probably going to miss a couple of weeks. Okay, that gives me more I'm of a time still, frame. I'm still very comfortable that, with that. Totally. But with Charbonnet, it, he just has some shoulder injury we don't know anything about. And it's a wide spectrum, right? So it's, I, I'm not going to make a presumption about him having a torn AC joint or like a torn or broken collarbone until I get more information. But with what I know now, I know that Kenneth Walker, like Pete Carroll said, is probably going to miss a couple of weeks. For Zach Charbonnet, I mean, this thing could just be a slight sprain. They could be playing it cautiously because they spent second-round draft cap on him. And he could be back in the mix in two, three weeks, right? I, I, I just don't know what the injury is, so I don't know how to treat it. But knowing what I know, knowing what the coach told me about Kenneth Walker, hey, this guy's probably going to miss a few weeks, right? And so I'm just going to take it for their word, and I'm going to let the doctors do their job and tell me what's up when they find out what's up. But I'm not going to go and diagnose the guy with an injury that I don't know he has, right? So, I mean, moving forward, don't get me wrong. I think both these guys could be effective if they get run, if they get opportunity. But right now, Kenny McIntosh's stock, dude, I like it. I, I, just, like it. I just feel like both these guys, if not at least one of them, are going to be back by the time the season starts. And so I agree. With I that. just feel like that pushes Kenny back to the three. So, I mean, he's going to get like a little bit of work. But to think that he's going to come in and just demand carries right away. 
Like, I'm sorry, but he was what, like a seventh round pick? Oh, uh, yes, he was. Yeah. But, dude, like, I mean, to be realistic with you, yeah, he's a good player and everything, but he should be hoping that he actually makes a team rather than is looking for starts. Yeah. I mean, obviously, any drafted rookie would hope that they make the team. I think he's going to make the team. Some Seems like Pete Carroll likes him a lot. Obviously, that's just me taking Carroll at his word. Uh, but moving out of the backfield and going into the receiver room, that's another room that's going to have a lot of question marks because they added a Jackson Smith and Jigba. They have a DK Metcalf. Tyler Lockett's another year older, but he's still been effective. And, oh, yeah, they have uh, Noah Fant and Will Disley um, who were kind of battling it out at tight end last year. Mm -hmm. So moving forward, Geno Smith is another guy who I think is kind of underrated. He ended last year as a top 10 quarterback, and now you talk about adding JSN. Uh, with Geno Smith moving forward, I mean, do you think that he has the potential to finish as another top 10, you know, quarterback within fantasy or was last year kind of just a one off? Well, I think that he definitely has all the possibility, especially with the weapons that he has around him and a simplified offense like Pete Carroll's where it makes it easy for him to diagnose what's happening. I think that you definitely could look at this guy definitely getting into that top 10 conversation again. All right, yeah, and you know, looking at uh, looking at twenty twenty two, Geno Smith finished as the QB five. Uh, he ended the year with three hundred ninety nine completions, forty two hundred yards, thirty touchdowns, and eleven interceptions. Now, with them adding a Charbonnet, who you know, once again, we're gonna wait and see uh, if he'll be utilized early in the season. And uh, with them adding a JSN, I think that his numbers could stay relatively close to the same. I think that he's a four thousand yard passing uh, quarterback. I think that he could easily probably hit more than 25 touchdowns uh, through the air. When you add a JSN in the slot, that's a major upgrade from someone like a Dwayne Eskridge. With JSN in the offense, he's going to be able to go ahead and capitalize against outside linebackers. So he's going to be an easy dump off for Geno Smith. And I think 400 plus completions as well within Geno Smith's range. Even if he takes a little bit of a uh, fall off compared to what he did last year, I think if he goes from QB5 to QB9, QB10, that's still relatively productive for you. And uh, even if you go ahead and you look at where Geno Smith is being drafted amongst quarterbacks, he's not being drafted too high. Uh, right now, I am looking at ADPs, and Geno Smith is going off the board as around QB16. He's going after Aaron Rodgers, Kirk Cousins, and Anthony Richardson. Some would say that makes sense. Uh, JSN, someone that we've talked about a lot this offseason a lot tell me where you're at with them because i don't i kind of don't know what to think i'm gonna be honest well i mean i definitely think that he's gonna be one of those guys that you should target in this year's draft i think that this guy's definitely gonna be eating early when you look at some of the highlights that he's produced over at training camp already i mean dude the guy is just a highlight film ready to be played it's crazy man i'm excited for this kid to get onto an nfl field i you know what dude I think that he probably scores the first touchdown for this team this year. <laughs> okay, I like that bet. I think it's early and often for this kid. I really do. I, I mean, when you put that capital in him, when they already have those people at wide receiver on that team, I mean, they aren't taking that kid just to come in and be just a slot. I'll tell you that right now. Mm -hmm. He's coming in. He's going to be probably better than what DK was for that team. He's going to be awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right now, Jackson Smith and then Jigba is going off the board as around wide receiver 32, wide receiver 33. Uh, he's going off the board as the 80th player in fantasy football, as we've done the last few weeks. If you play in a 10-team league at pick 80, you're getting Jackson Smith and Jigba relatively close to like the ninth round. That is such great value. I don't think you can beat that value if he performs up to par. 
I'm looking at his projections, and they're projecting that Jackson Smith and Njigba will catch 71 passes for 788 yards and five receiving touchdowns. I think he gets more than that. That's a damn good season if he hits that line. I think he gets more than that. God damn. If there's an injury to Tyler Lockett, if there's an injury to DK Metcalf. Yeah, I got a steal. Yeah. If you don't know, do go draft him in our dynasty league, our home league. Props to him. Got Jordan Addison, too. Kind of a steal. Yeah, damn right. DK Metcalf is going off the board before JSN. Yeah. Uh, right now, he is going off the board as the 33rd player in fantasy football. He's going off Jeez. the board as the wide receiver 18. I mean, if we're talking Valley, dude, I'd much rather have JSN than DK Metcalf. Man, that's 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 the question because Tyler Lockett is going before JSN as well, but he's going 10 picks before JSN as a 70th pick in fantasy football leagues. Man, if there's someone I'm going to be striking out on is going to be JSN. I think that this guy is going to be a home run this year. Yeah, I think I like Lockett more. I want to say I'd probably go with Lockett if I had to pick amongst the three for value. Uh, just because he won't get as many receptions as the JSN. And touchdown-wise, I mean, we'll have to kind of wait and see. But um, if they can push the ball downfield, I think Lockett's going to be the guy to open up the open up the offense. Uh, but that receiving room has so many fucking weapons. I think the Seahawks mm. have the potential to finish ahead of the San Francisco 49ers in terms of overall record. Interesting. Okay. Uh, but the Niners are a team I want to move into okay. because they got my boy. Okay. Who? Trey Lance. They got my boy Trey Lance. I know. I know. I know. We talk about Trey Lance. So far up until now, he hasn't been anything impressive. I know that this is probably an argument that's going to be easy to lose because he just hasn't done or shown anything at the NFL level. But he's one of those guys that I just can't help but to have blind faith in Dugo, if I'm being honest. Uh, so if you don't follow like 49ers beat reporters, Brock Purdy just recently came back from you know the injury he suffered in the uh, NFC Championship game. I think he was threatening to have Tommy John surgery at one point. I want to say it was like a UCL or something like that. Uh, but he has returned from his injury. His arm is a little rusty from what you hear from the San Francisco 49er beat reporters. And I think even today, as we record this on July 31st, Brock Purdy had a couple of interceptions in camp. He's like having like soft grip with the ball. He's fumbling. And then you have a Trey Lance, a guy I've been talking about for years. That has come into training camp and every day hasn't been incredible, but he's been ripping some balls. He's been utilizing his legs a lot as a scrambler within these training camp sessions. And everybody in the San Francisco's front office has said that Trey Lance looks miles better. Debo Samuel and George Kittle have both come out in press conferences and say that to say that Trey Lance looks incredible compared to what he looked like these last couple of years. And ladies and gentlemen, we got a real fucking quarterback battle in San Francisco. Uh, but if you had to draft one of these quarterbacks, who are you taking? Uh, you know, dog, I'm not sure exactly. I mean, I'm just kind of torn right now because I really don't know if Trey Lance is going to start. Like, if I'm going to keep it a buck, if you look at mid-quarterbacks and how they can do in the system, I wouldn't doubt if fucking Sam Darnold ends up starting. <laughs> Sam Darnold. Somebody said Sam Darnold looked like Aaron Rodgers uh, the other day. That's kind of crazy. Yeah. I don't know if I believe that hype, but, yo, like, I just feel like I mean, like, dude, like, I'm not saying, like, Jimmy G's a terrible quarterback or anything, but if you can just be semi-cohesive, if you can be athletic, if you can make sharp slant passes, mm-hmm. if you can hand the ball off to Christian McCaffrey and Debo Samuel and probably Brandon Ayuk a little bit more this year, uh, yeah, it doesn't take a brain scientist. So, I mean, 
I say all that to say that it shouldn't be hard for Trey Lance to hopefully get a spot, you know, to hopefully maybe start. But at the end of the day, man, like, I feel like Kyle Shanahan likes rolling with us, um, you know, just like, I'm not going to, I don't know the right word. I don't want to say strong hand, but like, I just feel like he's going to go with someone who he can 100% trust. And if you look at, you know, Sam Darnold, I mean, he hasn't had the best fucking career. Don't get me wrong. But, I mean, if he can get Shanahan to just teach him the small things again and to get him actually, you know, back to what he at least semi was at USC when he was, you know, at least looked at for a Heisman, then, you know what, I think he could possibly come in and do a little bit for the team. But I say all that to say, like, I don't know if I'm drafting any of these cats until it's actually shown that day one they're going to be starting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's tough. Right now, Brock Purdy is going as the 175 fifth player in fantasy football and Trey Lance is right after him at 193 so these guys are both essentially going undrafted for value I'm going to go ahead and go with my boy Trey just because of rushing upside Trey Lance as a passer has not been impressive during his NFL career that is something I will admit but in terms of his I think his five NFL starts uh, he averages somewhere around 45 rushing yards on the ground in each game which can be valuable. We all know the key to being a productive quarterback in fantasy football is can you run the ball? And he's shown the ability to go ahead and do that. So if he gets the job, I'm not expecting him to be Mahomes with the football. I'm not expecting him to be Aaron Rodgers with the football. I'm really just leaning on his legs. He's 6'4". He's a big body, so he can take some bruises. Um, and I'm hoping that he can go ahead and get those rush attempts out there, especially in an offense that runs the ball a lot. But speaking of rushing, obviously – one of the best players in fantasy football is Christian McCaffrey, and that's all he does. I think he might be my first overall this year. I dev, like I have a huge hunk. Like so, dog. Like when we look back in the annals of our fantasy football league, <laughs> and the past two years, I had the first overall pick. Okay, and I went D Honey because D Honey's my boy. Boy, until I die, I love you. Okay, I hope you hear this one day, D Honey. Um, but nah, I think this year just because of the sheer fact that like. I just I feel like I might trust Ryan Tannehill as a quarterback more than either of those three quarterbacks that we had just mentioned. Yeah. And so with that, I feel like Christian McCaffrey is going to be getting a lot of work just in general as far as getting ran. You know, I feel like he's probably going to be damn near done with his career after the season because of how much he's going to run. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, like, you know how fucking injury riddled he is. So I'm a little cautious about that. Got to be. But at the end of the day, dude, at, or Actually, let me walk back that statement that I said about drafting D. Henny in both both years because one of the years I unfortunately did take Kish, Christian McCaffrey. Was that, that the sucked. year he got hurt? It was. Yeah. But I feel like it's finally time for us to make amends. And so, I don't know, man. Like I just do feel like this might be his year to where he could possibly stay healthy. Like He's finally going to start a year in California again. That's where he went to high school, college. You know, like, who knows? I feel like he might just pop off. So... Or I was going to say, I think also uh, Kyle Shanahan and Mike uh, Shanahan have a history with Christian McCaffrey's dad. They do. Yeah, they do. Like, it's been, like, I'm pretty sure uh, Kyle babysat him or something like that. I think that's the storyline. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, dude. For like, sure, I just yeah. feel like at the end of the day, like, I don't know. I just feel like Christian McCaffrey is going to put up some Madden-type numbers this year. Oh, my God, dude. He's incredible. Um, looking at some of his advanced stats and metrics, once again, shout out to Player Profiler. Uh, last year, Christian McCaffrey was second amongst running back with targets. He had 107 targets. He was first amongst running back in receiving yards. 
third amongst total uh third in total touchdowns second in fantasy points per game averaging 21 fantasy points per game when healthy he was number one in route ran percentage number one in target share amongst running backs he was a fucking dog dude yeah dude and i don't think that's gonna end i feel like this year is gonna be his year i really do so at the one you're debating between Christian McCaffrey and Justin Jefferson, uh, according to current ADP, I think Jay Jets is going as uh, the number one pick right now. And CMC is right behind him at two. So it's up to you, I guess, what you prefer. I think it's just a positional preference uh, at that point because they're both like just elite players. Yep. But I can't blame anyone if they go ahead and take a CMC at one. If you want to fill in your running back position and, um, get a guy who can play running back and receiver at the same goddamn time. So can't hit on that. Uh, looking at receivers, they have two great receivers too, man. This team is loaded. They got George Kittle at tight end. Uh, so amongst George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk, and Debo Samuel D, uh, Dugo, out of those three guys, I mean, who would you prefer to have at value? Um, and I can read you off where they're going in ADP yeah, as well. Yeah, give me give me the ADPs right now. So DK Metcalf is going off the board as a 33rd. Who? Or I'm sorry, uh, Debo Samuel is going off the board as the uh, 38th player in fantasy football. Okay. Uh, you got Brandon Ayuk going off the board at pick 67. So the 67th player in fantasy football. And George Kittle's going right in between those guys at pick 51, the 51st player in fantasy football. Uh, who do you like for value there? You know what? Give me Brandon Ayuk. Same. I like Brandon Ayuk. Uh, I, I think that he's going to have a more explosive year this year. Um, I'm not going to take anything away from Debo because I think that he's still going to probably have, you know, some sort of top 25, top 20 wide receiver season. But I just don't know if I could take him that high at 30, just with how high I think that McCaffrey is going to be this year. Yeah. I just feel like McCaffrey is going to be taking a lot more of that rushing attack than what uh, Debo had, you know, gave us previously. But after a couple of injuries and stuff like that, I just don't know if it's going to be in his bag much anymore. Mm-hmm. But I know that we've been talking about Brandon Ayuk possibly taking some of those rushing yards. Mm-hmm. I guess, like, how do you think that that facilitates? What do you mean, I guess? I mean, like, do you think that we're going to see, like, a direct correlation from, like, if we look from years past, if, you know, like, if Debo Samuel, let's say, had, like, 70 rushing attempts, and then this year, let's say, Debo has 40, do you think that we're going to see Brandon Ayuk with 30? Or, like, how do you think that Kyle Shanahan would be able to utilize uh, Brandon Ayuk in the rushing game? I don't see him. I see him being used on a jet sweep here and there. But I think when you got a Debo and a Christian McCaffrey, you don't need to use Brandon Ayuk in the rushing game. Uh, You use him as a pure receiver, which is what he's best at. And I think Brandon Ayuk is the best pure receiver on this team. Okay. I think Debo Samuel's a great weapon because he's versatile in what he can do. Uh, But I do think Brandon Ayuk is just a fucking dog as a receiver, man. I just feel like Debo's going to be going back to slant God. I just don't know how much more he's going to be taking those rushing attempts anymore. I don't like when he got paid, like, don't get me wrong. He got paid and I feel like there was an assumption he's still going to be running the ball. But I mean, after one year, we saw him get injured, what, two or three different games. Mm-hmm. So I just feel like at some point, like you got to just understand somebody's body. And at the end of the day, if you can just at least have slant God 2.0 back, mm-hmm. I feel like that's going to be all right. Yeah, I agree with you. Like, I think Brandon Ayuk is going to be the guy who goes and runs like post dig routes. And he's going to be the one who uh, who runs like post corners and shit like that. I think Debo is going to be the guy who runs a lot of crossing routes, a lot of slants. He's going to yep. be utilized in the middle of the field because he's a bigger body. And I could say the same for George Kittle. 
you we know what George Kittle does. He's an elite uh, tight end when he's healthy. Mm-hmm. But if you give me Brandon Ayuk and you telling me I can get Brandon Ayuk in the eighth, ninth round, that is fucking value, dude. Yeah, I really I can't like pass that. that up. I like that a lot. And honestly, dude, like it, I feel like we are gonna see Brandon Ayuk playing out of the backfield a little bit in those split sets. Like when you have wide receiver or when you have two running backs back there instead of two running backs, you have Brandon Ayuk back there instead. I just feel like you're able to get him out on some pretty good wheel routes from there as well, and he's pretty fucking elusive. So having a linebacker or a safety on is probably going to be pretty bad news bears for defense. Oh, my God. So dude. I don't know, dude. Like I just feel like at some point you like you know Kyle Shanahan likes his Swiss Army knives, and it's not going to just stop there, you know, like. I bet fucking uh, George Kittle could be back there at some points as well. Like, it's just one of those things to where you got to keep the defense guessing. And if you're not going to put someone prime back there like a Debo, you got to have other targets and other weapons who are willing to do it. And See, it just so happens that I feel like both those guys are able to do that. Another reason I like Brandon Ayuk is because when you look at his advanced stats and metrics, he was 13th amongst receivers in route win rate. Um he was, I think, 14th uh, in his win rate versus man coverage. He was 11th in target separation versus man coverage. And he was just third overall in overall target separation, you know, playing against whoever the DB was that was covering him. He gets open. He's really good in press coverage. And when you have a team like the 49ers who emphasize running the ball, that's going to cause a lot of defenses to go ahead and flood the box. We're talking, we're seeing seven, eight in the box regularly. And if you can get Brandon Ayuk, free release end of the line he's getting pressed and he can get open and Brock Purdy has two three seconds in the pocket Trey Lance has two three seconds in the pocket and they could just toss it up to my boy Brandon Ayuk downfield and I mean I have all the reason to believe that Brandon Ayuk is going to be that deep threat he's going to be that play action down the field threat and he's going to have a lot of explosive plays so once again I agree with you there Dugo give me Brandon Ayuk at value I like Debo though uh, him and Christian McCaffrey are going to be a problem. I think Debo said that he's motivated to have a better year this year than he had last. Um, and last year he actually wasn't like terrible. Uh, he wasn't like the worst receiver, I guess in the world. Uh, last year Debo ended as wide receiver 40, which isn't what we typically expect from him. He averaged around 12 points a game and they added a Christian McCaffrey who took away a lot of his rushing attempts. How do you feel about George Kittle? Because you're the tight end guy. Like, tell me what you think yeah. about where he can finish amongst tight ends uh, next year. Well, dude, it all just depends. I mean, like, I feel like at the end of the day, this guy is going to be a steady, like, a top five tight end. At the end of the day, I just feel like with the scheme that they run with that West Coast offense, especially when they have an elite tight end like George Kittle, where he's going to be on the field a lot because I like to run the ball as it is, and he likes to block. But he's also one of those tight ends. If you get him just a little bit of space, like he can make anything happen. Like he can even take it to the goddamn house if he wants to on any fucking play. If you give him a little space, the guy's a beast. And so with that, I feel like when you look at his ADP, I think you got to always just respect it. I think that this guy hasn't really lost much of his, you know, like giddy up or anything like that yet. You know, he's getting, you know, I don't know, like, He's getting a little bit older. He's getting a little bit older. but he's almost 30. But at the end of the day, dude, like, I don't know. He's one of those cats that I just don't think he's going to stop. I, I think he's just one of those guys. Mm-hmm. The thing I like about George Kittle is that when he's on the field, he produces. Mm-hmm. He was second amongst tight ends and fantasy points per game last year. He was second amongst tight ends and total touchdowns. George Kittle actually had 11 touchdowns last year. A lot of those with a Brock Purdy. 
He's on the field a lot, man. He was right. second amongst tight ends in snap share. He blocks very well, and he's a great receiver. Yep. So he can be utilized in a lot of situations, and he does not come off the field. So that's the reason why I think George Kittle could you know, be a great tight end. Last year, he ended the year as tight end three in PPR. The year before that, he was tight end four. He finished as tight end two in 2019, tight end three in 2018. When he's on the field, he produces. And I think that if he's healthy for 15 games or more next year, he's going to finish top three, I would assume. Maybe four because of Christian McCaffrey taking receptions. Uh, but right now, he's going off the board behind a TJ Hawkinson. He's going off the board behind a Travis Kelsey. He's going off the board behind a Mark Andrews. And uh, right now, he's projected to be the tight end for next year. So we'll see if that holds true. Uh, but he's someone that at pick 51, I mean, that's not a terrible value. No, nah, by then, I mean, I probably already have two or three wide receivers or running backs. Yep. It's about time to uh, to definitely get, uh, you know, my tight end going. 100%. So I like that a lot. And uh, speaking of tight ends, let's take let's go ahead and take this to Arizona. Uh, but the Cardinals have a lot of pieces, and we don't know what they're going to do next year. They're one of those teams that's expected to be in the Caleb Williams sweepstakes. And yep. I think that very well could be true. Uh, yep. They bring in Mr. Gannon uh, to be their new head coach coming out of Philadelphia. And um, it's going to be interesting. But uh, right now, I think Zach Ertz is on the PUP list. Uh, looks like he's going to be out with an injury for a little bit. And Trey McBride, who was drafted last season, is going to get the opportunity to shine. Mm-hmm. So right now, uh, Trey McBride is someone who's ba- basically going undrafted. Uh, both him and Zach Ertz are going around like the 100 and like 90s in terms of uh, fantasy football projections. Disrespect. Yeah, I think McBride is going as like the 192nd fantasy football player Crazy. off the board. Unreal. Uh, is he draftable for you next year? 100% he is. Dude, if I... So... The way that I typically like to have my uh, redraft teams is I usually like to have around two tight ends. And end of the, like those end rounds, like if I see that guy available towards like the 15th round, 14th, 15th, if I already have like a kicker or defense in my bag, I might go ahead and get him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, I really like Trey McBride, and especially when you look at an offense like this, I believe it's going to be another what another West, West Coast, Coast offense. And so with that, I mean, you're just going to have a team who's going to be running the ball a lot. And then, like I said, you're going to have an above average uh, athletic tight end out there in those flats, you know, running all those different routes. And I feel like he's probably going to be one of the better receivers on this team as it is. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like he has really good hands. He has, uh, you know, a large body. So if they don't have uh, a Y right away that they really want to run with or something, they could always run with Trey McBride. Mm hmm. I don't know, like they have like a uh, they have a young Michael Williams who is going to be a pretty good receiver for them, I feel like, one day. But just as a rookie coming out of the Pac-12, I just feel like it's going to be one of those things where it's going to take a year or so. And so if we're looking at someone who's going to be getting some targets, look, guys, we say this every fucking year, but on bad teams, there's still good players. Yep. And I feel like Trey McBride still has the opportunity to be that good player. I definitely think he's going to be a top 15 this or a top 15 tight end this year. I really do. Mm-hmm. See, uh, the West Coast offense is really interesting because we know that it's an offense that's dictated around a lot of like intermediate passing. Yep. Um, it's, you know, quick release, get the ball out of your hands within three seconds, pass it five, seven, ten yards downfield. Uh, and we're going to go ahead and not necessarily dink and dunk, but we're going to throw quick, accurate passes. Yep. And Trey McBride as a tight end, uh, the first tight end taken off the board last year yep. in the 2022 draft is someone who 
He has a lot of potential. He's coming out of Colorado State. We know that he was like an athletic freak coming out last year. And, you know, with Zach Ertz uh, apparently, you know, being hurt, he's going to be, you know, kind of slowed into the season next year. Trey McBride could be a value pick, man. He could be one of those guys that you take – you take at the end of the draft, and God forbid you have an injury at tight end, he could step in and he could be someone who could at least get you eight to ten points. Mm-hmm. Like you got to think about the tight end position and the fact that it's not extremely deep. You don't need freaking Travis Kelsey production to be a top ten guy. Travis Kelsey's an anomaly, bro. If you get four to five catches for sixty yards a game and you get a touchdown every other game, that's a top ten tight end, damn near. Yep. Yeah, man. So that's just what I'm saying, dude. Like it, with that sort of value, I mean. I really do think that at, when you look at it, dude, Trey McBride is going to be a starting tight end on this team day one. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you look at it, there's no, no if, ands, or buts about it. I feel like they have Zach Ertz, and he's good and everything, but dog, like, that was an old regime. And they have this new guy, and yeah, this is also a part of that older regime. But nonetheless, I mean, you don't overlook studs like this, especially when they're that athletic. I mean, it's just one of those things, dude. I'm excited to see what Trey McBride's able to do this year. I really am. Yep. And now another thing about the West Coast offense, an offense, if you guys don't know, was developed by Bill Walsh. Uh, but it's one of those offenses that establishes the run first. So James Conner is going to be a guy who is going to get a lot of reps. He's probably the most valuable Arizona Cardinal going into next year. By far. Uh, but it's an offense that is centered around u- utilizing the run game to pull the defense in. Uh, to make the defense flood the box, and then they go ahead and attack you downfield. And they have a guy perfect for that system in a Marquise Brown who's a burner, one of the best burners we have in the NFL. So James Conner and Marquise Brown are the two guys from the Cardinals I really want on my teams if I'm drafting Arizona Cardinals. Mm-hmm. And uh, I guess between the two, who would you draft first? Conner, between... 100%. Okay, I agree with you. I think Conner's going to be a dog. He's probably going to see around 300 attempts next year if he stays healthy. Well, I mean, like, I feel like at the end of the day, like, when you think about it, the guy who's probably going to benefit the most from a, you know, lesser off quarterback is probably James Conner. Oh, yeah. I mean, when you have someone back there, like, what, is Colt McCoy still there? Is he going to be the starter? Yep. Who's going to be the starter, guys? Colt McCoy. So, I feel like when you look at James Conner, he's definitely going to be that run first guy for this team, like he just said. And, you know, at the end of the day, yeah, I do like Marquise Brown, but... I, I just don't know how much Colt McCoy is really going to be zipping the ball downfield like that. Mm-hmm. Colt McCoy kind of feels like one of those guys who's just going to run whatever the coach tells him to run. You know what I mean? Like, there's not going to be too many, uh, too many like off script plays. But James Conner is someone I like a lot. Uh, I think Marquise Brown is another guy who obviously has some value. He's going to be a guy when he gets his catches, there'll be chunk passes. Uh, I don't know if Colt McCoy is going to push it downfield as often as Kyler Murray uh, could or does. But uh, he's someone that I'm probably drafting if I'm drafting a receiver out of this offense. I like a Michael Wilson for dynasty value. I think Michael Wilson's going to play like the role of like the second receiver in this offense. Slightly thicker uh, build than a Marquise Brown. And I think that he could easily see, I don't know, maybe like 60 receptions this year. Which isn't super crazy, but he's a nice death piece for your offense, uh, for your fantasy football team as well. And uh, moving forward, the Cardinals are going to be a team that I don't think I'm going to be drafting too many players from that offense. But in the case that I do, I would expect, you know, a James Conner to be in the running. I would Mm -hmm. expect a Marquise Brown to be someone that I'm looking at. Outside of that, I mean, Trey McBride may be in like the last rounds of the draft. Michael Wilson in the last rounds of the draft. 
but a lot of their pieces that I'm like holding out for, even if you want to talk about like a Greg Dortch, like those kind of guys, they're more like dynasty stashes for me. Yeah, uh, definitely more dynasty for those other guys. I mean, I yeah. feel like Michael Wilson. I don't know if he's even really draftable this year. I feel like he's going to be one of those guys that, you know, maybe you might be able to pick him up on the block for a week or two. Mm-hmm. Like if there's, there's if there's some sort of like significant injury or yeah. if he actually just ends up getting some playing time. But I don't know if he's necessarily one of those guys you have to really worry about drafting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So with that being said, I mean, that's kind of where I'm at with the Cardinals. They aren't like anybody that I'm clamoring to draft players from. James Conner is going to be my value pick, though. Uh, he is the guy I would like from this offense. I think that he's going to be someone that's going to go out there and he's going to get you a ton of touches right now in drafts. He's going after like the third round. Uh, so you can go and get a nice RB two for value next year. He could damn near be, you know, potentially what Josh Jacobs was, yep. uh, to a lot of teams, uh, last year, but regardless, that's kind of where I'm at with the Cardinals. So that was our uh, recap of the Seattle Seahawks of the Arizona Cardinals and the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, but we appreciate y'all for tapping in. Y'all know who it is. My name is Ja. Hey, it's Duke over here. Appreciate y'all tapping in with those head tops. We'll see you guys next week. And uh, until then, good luck and uh, happy fishing, y'all. Peace.